This is Rod Lansing with True North Political Solutions, and I am the Government Affairs Strategist with the Pharmacy Podcast. Hello, this is Bob McFalls, Executive Director of the Kentucky Pharmacists Association and CEO of our affiliated companies, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. Good afternoon, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. This is Ron Lanson, President of True North Political Solutions and co-host of the Pharmacy Podcast Show. And we are delighted to have as our guest, Mr. Bob McFalls, the CEO and President of the Kentucky Pharmacists Association. How are you, Bob? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad that you're able to make it on the show. So usually uh, the way I start off the show uh, with our guests is that I always ask about their background. So I guess my first question to you is, what's your background? Well, my background is executive and uh, leadership in terms of nonprofit management. I have more than 25 years of experience in leading nonprofit organizations, membership associations of, of that nature and uh, happy to be using my tool skit, toolkit of experience and expertise in helping uh, pharmacists throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky to advance their mission. Well, that sounds great. Well, I know that our listeners are wondering um, how you actually became involved with the Kentucky Pharmacists Association. Well, Ron, that's, uh, that's a great question. My background is with the population, with aging population, long-term care, in terms of community-based care. Uh, I led the Aging Commission of the Mid-South in Memphis, Tennessee for 17 years, went to South Florida and led Florida's largest area agency on aging uh, in the uh, period from 2003 to 2009, uh, during the period of time when the Medicare prescription drug benefit was passed by Congress. We had 550,000 older residents of our five-county service area, and I knew those folks would be knocking on our door for information, and sure enough, they were. So I got really involved in uh, medication management issues during that time period and helping Medicare beneficiaries to make informed choices. I'm happy to say that Palm Beach County led the state of Florida in the number of enrollees in the first count, uh, the first year that the Part D benefit uh, was uh, was made available. Now, following that, I went to the National Association of Area Agencies on Aging in Washington, D.C., where I served as their first chief operating officer for about three years. And uh, basically, I'd served on that board of directors as a volunteer and as its president, and it was going through a lot of growth and needed someone to come and help put policies and procedures into place. During that time period, I learned about these, uh, this great opportunity to come home to Kentucky and to work with the Kentucky Pharmacists Association. I'm not a pharmacist by training. My skill set is executive leadership and running nonprofit organizations, uh, helping the organizations to be transparent and to help uh, members to, to be engaged in, in terms of customer service and and social media, those kinds of uh, areas of expertise. So uh, the only thing that kind of threw me for a loop in the job description or the uh, recruitment was the fact that they were, would like to have a pharmacist if possible, but everything else was a perfect match for me and for my skills. And I'm happy to say that um, we, we did find that we were a perfect match for each other. So uh, since July of 2011, it's been my pleasure and privilege to serve 
uh, as the executive for, uh, for KPHA, the Kentucky Pharmacists Association. Well, that's great. You could have fooled me because uh, I didn't know uh, that you weren't a pharmacist. Uh, you know, I'm, you couldn't really tell at all. You, I mean, just the way that you've advocated for issues in the past and everything, it's, everything's been great. So, uh, so that's good. Well, I'm glad they actually found you. Well, I'm glad as well. It's, uh, it's been a good match for both of us, I think. And my background has been in, in the arena of doing advocacy and uh, grassroots work, work skills did, as you have observed, did uh, uh, become readily available for, for Kentucky and our pharmacist members. And the other thing is I was driving into Kentucky. I heard the governor had his top leadership uh, sequestered in his uh, office over the 4th of July weekend, and they were laying out the final uh, groundwork for the transition of Kentucky's Medicaid program to managed care. And so uh, I think that that fact was the probably the, the uh, best orientation that a person never could have asked for in terms of making the transition because uh, I, I got really involved early on in reaching out to the managed care organizations and setting up contacts and having them come in and have focus groups and discussions with, uh, with our members. So it really advanced my learning curve very quickly in those first uh, six months as we uh, planned for that transition and established our contacts and, and made sure that uh, we had as much input that each individual company would let us have in terms of their formulary and, and how the, contra the contracts were going to be set up uh, between them and uh, various uh, pharmacy entities uh, in, in the state. Sounds like your experience is more trial by fire. <laughs> it, it was. It was kind of like that. Uh, uh, our president at the time said it was like I was drinking out of a fire hose, and I thought at points that was the best analogy that that I could uh, think of myself. Or kind of like uh, taking that dive at the Olympic uh, into the swimming pool, except that you wouldn't be trained to, to, to necessarily be the swimmer or the Olympic uh, gold medalist. But we made it through, and we, we, we uh, actually, I think, because we were proactive and had those meetings, we were uh, farther ahead than a lot of the other provider groups and uh, working uh, on issues that took them up to a year and a half to, to resolve. Well, you mentioned grassroots advocacy uh, a couple of minutes ago, um, and this really dovetails into my next question that I have for you, which is... Um, what are some of the goals that KPHA is working on, as well as any highlights that uh, KPHA has actually had? Well, one of the things that we've done in the last uh, three years since I've been here is to develop a new strategic plan. And there are really four pillars that the uh, strategic plan stands on. The, the first is provider status, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, I think. And a second one is grassroots advocacy. I think that tied to our mission about advancing the profession of pharmacy throughout the state is the need for members to understand the importance of being involved in their profession and letting their voice be heard. And we had the opportunity with the transition and the, the major change that was taking place in terms of the paradigm shift from traditional Medicaid to managed care Medicaid in, in the Commonwealth to address a lot of the 
the issues and why it was important to have a voice and to get involved in talking with uh, uh, the pharmacist, individual, state legislator, their state senator, their state representative, and helping them to get comfortable in doing that. So we have developed a number of tools. We have a special uh, Twitter account that we keep uh, members updated on during the legislative session so that they know what's happening in real time and they can make their calls, emails, or text messages to, you know, to their elected officials. I think that that's critically, uh, critically important uh, for them to, to understand that they are the ones that have the strongest voice and they're the voters in their districts. And pharmacists, as you know, and from previous podcasts, are, are such a trusted profession as well as it should be. Uh, they're trusted uh, at, at all levels by patients and uh, by other professionals and by their elected leadership. And so having that that opportunity to present the message is critically important. So what we do is we track those uh, key issues, regulatory as well as legislative, and we keep our members informed. And we encourage them through uh, through social media, through the Twitter account, especially and through other uh, means in terms of electronic uh, communications. Uh, we have a, a grassroots legislative alert that we send out. Uh, we, we help them to understand the issue by framing it, and then uh, we put in there the ask in terms of how they can weigh in on that particular issue, and I think that that's helped, uh, helped quite a bit. Um, a couple of things that we're really proud of in the last uh, couple of years uh, Kentucky was the first state to pass Medicaid transparency legislation, not Medicaid, I'm sorry, but PBM transparency legislation with respect to the MAC pricing or the drug reimbursement pricing. And we were able to do that because our members got involved. They understood the importance of communication. And we got that bill passed by unanimous vote uh, and signed by the governor. It was a remarkable achievement. And I give full credit to our members who, who were totally engaged uh, on this issue. Uh, the year prior to that, we were able to get our audit bill in terms of audit reforms and uh, PBM uh, practices in terms of audits to, to be updated. I understand some states do not have any audit reform legislation in place. We were able to improve upon the legislation that was passed a few years ago and to add provisions like uh, clerical errors that uh, already have had a number of good examples from our members who've come back to us and, and shared uh, ab about how they've been able to reverse uh, a, a PBM audit finding and to, uh, to have that uh, uh, cost that was going to be taken out or have to be paid back uh, recouped. So it's been uh, very, very, uh, very worthwhile. Well, that's really interesting. Um, two points that I do want to follow up on. The first, uh, just what you just said about the MAC pricing and the audit bill. And I think that both of those subjects are very, very important to pharmacists nationwide. You know, depending on what their particular state statute says, you know, and, and how they can either amend or actually create uh, something that addresses both of these issues. Um, both of these are very near and dear to me because I'm actually writing um, some MAC pricing bills right now 
uh, to go into a couple of states in the Northeast. I'm wondering to those that would be listening to this podcast, um, some of the pharmacists, are there any words of advice that you have? Because um, these are really hard issues that PBMs really fight back on, and, and you've been successful in getting these passed. Um, any words of advice to someone that's looking at a state saying, I need this? Well, I think I think you have to make the issue real and give uh, real-life examples. One of the things that's really interesting to the life of a pharmacist in terms of the pharmacy is the the fact that you don't know what you're going to get reimbursed until you adjudicate the claim, so that's a bit of a challenge. What other business in America operates that way? You, you know, we're going to pay you after the fact, and we're going to you know, reimburse you based upon you know, today's pricing. So I think the, the key argument for us was the transparency piece, that, that a pharmacist who is contracted to a particular PBM has the right to know what you know, he or she is going to get paid what the pharmacy is going to get paid. And the way you do that is to make the formulary available, the MAC pricing available through the contract, and you make sure that you have access to that. And there needs to be a strong appeals process, uh, which we do have in our legislation. I think the other thing is just to get involved, to know what the bill is and help educate other pharmacists. I think that's uh, critically important. And then to work with your regulatory body in Kentucky is the Department of Insurance, and we're still working on compliance issues, and I think we will for some time because the PBMs are very large organizations, and they have a lot of uh, power and influence, and they also have a lot of legal resources at their disposal in terms of, of you know, challenging you back or, or perhaps saying that, like for us, a number of our uh, members were told that the provisions were not going to be honored until there was a new contract, Th those kinds of things that you just have to work through. But um, I think the main thing is we, in order to have teeth in the law, you've got to make sure that your compliance organization has the power to, uh, to do its job. And, you know, that's what I would just say, you know, do, do the research. I know that a lot of other states have used our, our model and they built upon it. And, and I think that's a great thing too. You you can always improve, and uh, you know learn from uh, from others. Yeah, I think uh, that's right on point. And these laws are definitely making an impact. I mean, I'm sure you've heard about Iowa, how the uh, pharmacy benefit manager there um, is actually uh, suing uh, over over the MAC transparency bill that they have. So yep, and that goes the, back that goes back to the, the compliance. And the fact that I think that Iowa saw that it was important for their insurance uh, department to have full uh, uh, full authority over uh, implementing the law. So um, uh, you know it, it's it's going to be interesting uh, to watch that progress. And I look forward to uh, listening to your podcast on on that particular legislation and lawsuit. Yeah, we're going to have to go get some uh, people down there and see what they'd like to say about that. Right. I'm sure a lot of people want to want to hear about that. Right. So, yeah, it'll be coming up. Well, um, we're kind of talking about the next question I want to get into. You mentioned, I guess my second follow-up point, uh, you mentioned pharmacists as trusted professionals, and, and they are. Um, and even though they are trusted professionals, they this, this I guess, getting that, um, I guess, designation is, comes with challenges. And I'm wondering, um, what are some of the challenges that you see that uh, your members are facing in Kentucky and on a, on a federal level? 
I think a lot of the challenges really deals with the evolution of the role in, in terms of the profession and you know, traditionally, the dispensing role is always going to be a very strong role for for an element of pharmacy and, and pharmacist. We all have to have our medications, and we need to know that uh, that our medication history is being reviewed, and that you know that we're being looked at in terms of of uh, you know any any potential interactions and, and those kinds of things that, you know, that pharmacists are trained so well to do. But I think that in terms of challenges and opportunities, and you know, we, we certainly have been working with, uh, with the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Associations, with our sister state associations across the country and uh, other national partners, including APHA and NCPA and, and others ab- about the fact that we've got to advance the profession and to get pharmacists recognized under uh, under Medicare and or under healthcare reform efforts to be recognized for their expertise in uh, doing medication adherence and doing medication management as providers. And, uh, and you know, I talked about my experience in long-term care aging and dealing with chronic disease management and implementing a number of uh, wellness programs in, uh, in Memphis, also in West Palm Beach and Treasure Coast counties of South Florida. I think that when you look at the demographics and you look at the uh, the medical community and the, the decline in the primary care doctors, the numbers are you know, continuing to decrease. The population is living longer than it's ever lived before. And, you know, we have this perfect storm type of uh, climate right now where you have a whole group of trained professionals as pharmacists who can step in and help meet a critical public health need. To, uh, to help patients dealing with chronic disease to, to manage that disease better. You know, whether it's diabetes or, or arthritis or, or asthma or, you know, what, what, uh, needs to be done. I think that anything we can do to raise that recognition is, is critical. And I mean, we're, we're thrilled, of course, that at the federal level that one of our congressmen, Representative Guthrie, from the western part of Kentucky is one of the three co-sponsors for House Resolution 4190 that would uh, allow and recognize pharmacists as providers under federal legislation in medically underserved areas and provide for uh, that rec- that reimbursement, not just to pharmacies, but to pharmacists in terms of their particular expertise and training. And the fact that you know we could really advance uh, uh, pharmacists as providers and recognize their expertise is, is uh, you know, a really critical opportunity at this point in time. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, let's switch gears here and talk uh, a little bit about the Affordable Care Act. Um, I'm sure, you know, with, with a, an act this large, it really has impact on several different professions across the healthcare industry. Are you seeing any immediate effect on your members and the patients that uh, that they serve? Well, I think the Affordable Care Act is, uh, you know, has positives and negatives. I mean, if you're a pharmacy owner, business impact and some of the the fear of uh, the, of taxes and those kinds of things is is you know, presented some challenges in terms of understanding. I mean, it's a very complex law. And uh, it does, you know, come with its own set of rules and regulations and challenges that, you know, a lot of our members are still working through. And, 
and I know it's had uh, you know some some negative uh, press and negative uh, connotations in, in in political circles. Uh, on the positive side, uh, Kentucky uh, did decide to implement its own health exchange, and I have served on the qualified health subcommittee related to the the board for the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, so that we ha did have input into the development of the of the model for uh, for benefits for uh, for enrollees in in health exchange and. Uh, for for a state like Kentucky that has such a large number of individuals who are living in or near poverty, uh, the Affordable Care Act has actually enabled them to have access to health care that they did not have before, and the Medicaid expansion has really helped uh, a number of low-income individuals to have access to health care again that they didn't have before. So I know a lot of our members in the rural areas of the state have welcomed the fact that they're able to serve additional patients in meeting their medication needs who now have health insurance that did not have it before. So I think that's the main positive in terms of, uh, of, the, uh, uh, of the rollout of the Affordable Care Act. And um, I think uh, Kentucky was featured in a recent Time article about how Kentucky got it right in terms of how it developed the plan and uh, you know, communicated it uh, throughout the Commonwealth. And, um, enrolled um, a number of health plans in the uh, implementation of uh, the Affordable Care Act. Interesting. I didn't know that. I'm sure I'm going to have to go and take a, a look at that article. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I've learned. So, yeah. Well, how does the recognition of pharmacists um, as health care providers actually help your organization? Well, what, one of the key components that I've referenced earlier is that the Kentucky, the Kentucky Pharmacists Association has a three-pronged mission, but it ends with the fact that we are to help advance the profession of pharmacy throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And I think that there's no better way to advance the profession is, than to recognize pharmacists as critical members of the healthcare team, to recognize them as providers, to recognize their expertise, to recognize their specialized training, the fact that so many of them today, and even pharmacists who graduated years ago, have gone back and gotten their PharmD degrees and they recognize as doctors of, of pharmacy. So it all, to me, dovetails very neatly in the fact that uh, we have uh, pharmacists trained at a deeper level than ever before and that expertise to be recognized will just you know, continue to showcase them, uh, which will have the effect of raising their professional association in the eyes of the public. So I think it's a win-win-win all the way around uh, to, uh, to understand and to get that recognition that is critically uh, deserved by, uh, by our members. Last hot button issue I'm going to ask in the interview here is uh, regarding the compounding conversation uh, that we see as being debated all across the country. Uh, any perspectives on that at all? Well, I'm proud to say again that the Kentucky Board of Pharmacy established a compounding study group, and I was asked to serve on that uh, study group along with a number of other professionals who have more expertise than I do in compounding. But we are really looking at this in terms of its impact on the state and we're looking at some uh, uh, changes uh, uh, to how Kentucky does business and in terms of relationships to uh, prescriptions that are compounded and brought into the state. We want to make sure that, that the state is aware of those in terms of 
I'm talking about the State Board of Pharmacy in terms of its regulatory role and to protect the, the, the public and the public interest. We, we're not saying that we don't want these compounds to come in, but we want to know that they are coming in and we want to make sure that the board has its uh, oversight role in place. So we're looking at ways that we can uh, uh, make sure that the, uh, uh, the compounders uh, who are approved by the FDA, uh, and if they are, uh, you know, not doing patient specific, but just doing compounding, that that they're regulated as well, and that there are that there is a way to inspect them, either on the part of the state in which they're located, or that there would be a provision uh, that they would pay for Kentucky inspectors to come to their property and. Uh, check on the safety and the efficacy of their of their product, and the and the safety in terms of it being provided to residents of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So we're we're trying to work through it. I guess is the bottom line. We don't have all the answers yet, but we do want to make sure that we have the protections in place. Yeah, just like every other state that I can think of. Right, you know, it's, right. It's a quick issue, and that's come up all of a sudden. You know, obviously with the New England Compounding Center highlighting things. And uh, now everybody's trying to figure out what to do. So, yeah, it's a work in progress, you know, definitely. Right. Well, um, I guess the last question I'm going to ask you today uh, before we get to your contact information is um, any words of advice for an aspiring pharmacist? I would, I would say that the, the best wisdom that I could offer is to get involved in your association and we're trying to make our association as relevant as possible to all members of all ages and stages of career development. And I just think it's critically important to network with your colleagues and to be a united voice. We're fortunate in Kentucky that our state motto is united we stand, divided we fall. And I just think that that is so uh, relevant to what you know pharmacists who, who are wanting to uh, student pharmacists or aspiring pharmacists who haven't even started school yet. I think it's it's just really important to to understand what uh, what the role of the pharmacist is to to you know to latch on to a mentor and to you know get involved in the, the association. We we were formed in 1879 for a reason, and we want to uh, we want to be the association that represents all pharmacists, which we do in all practice settings, and we're just made stronger by that engagement, the full engagement of uh, pharmacists at all ages and stages of life. And I think that the aspiring pharmacists bring that fresh perspective and the new blood that we need, that we need to, uh, address, uh, to address our future and to advance the profession and to advance those other two pillars of our strategic plan that we didn't have time to talk about today. That's why we're going to have to have you back on the show. <laughs> talk about these so, well, how do our listeners get a hold of you if they have further questions? Um, our website is uh, www.kphanet.org, kphanet.org. Our telephone number here at Kentucky Pharmacists Association is area code 502-227-2303. And my email is rmcfalls, at kphanet.org. That was a 
Bob McFall, Executive Director, CEO of the Kentucky Pharmacists Association. And I'm Ron Lanson, President of True North Political Solutions and co-host of the Pharmacy Podcast Show. If you have any questions for us, you can always feel free to follow us on LinkedIn. Just find True North Political Solutions and click the follow button. We'd love to have you. Or you can email me with any questions that you have offline at Ron Lanson, the number three, at True North TS, as in politicalsolutions.com. Bob, it was great to have you, and uh, we look forward to having you on the show in the near future. Thank you, Ron. It's a pleasure.